Hi, this is your old friend Dave Alvin, and right this second, you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with your pal Andras Jones. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio tempting fate. Wherever you are putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select here with the help of our friend synchronicity now it's time for radio eight ball give us a shake radio eight ball give us a shake it's the radio eight ball show Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andros Jones, here in a in a whole different basement. A while back we were hanging out in a basement in Watertown. Now we're in a basement in Olympia, Washington on December 12th, 2018 with singer-songwriter David Rovix. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, David. Thank you, Andros. That version of the Radio 8 Ball theme song, it was... Everything you you sing makes me want to go out and and do something. (laughs) It's a Pete... Like, it's like this, like like a, a... Maybe what it would be like hanging out with, like listening to Pete Seeger when I I came along with Pete Seeger. He was pretty old, but hanging around with a young Pete Seeger, uh, you know, still just everything is just like, what am I supposed to do about all this synchronicity? It's so great. I love it. Excellent. So fantastic version. Protest after hearing your theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Are we supposed to protest Radio 8 Ball? (laughs) Right. Or save it. They do. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we are, we're going to have some, some great guests on the show to ask, uh, ask questions. Um, I guess you just look in the show notes, you'll see, but uh, we're going to be joined by uh, singer-songwriter James, I mean James, Jim Page, a good friend of both of ours, Alana Freeland, uh, the author Dan Epstein, uh, the author Dan Epstein, and Brett Club, who's been on the show in the past, and Rick Fellows, who's a local activist and someone who works with the IWW, and we may be joined by a representative of the IWW joining him. Or we may end up having our uh, segment where we meet the engineer, our old friend Skylar Blake, who's manning the board for us. And uh, now you have a list of eight songs on the board, numbered one through eight, and they are going to be the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. Would you mind just noodling on any old chords or something while I read your your song titles? I can't promise that I will make people want to do anything but hear them, but here we go. This theme song in my head. Maybe I should noodle on something else, but that's okay. St. Patrick Battalion. Letter to my landlord. Failed state. Actually, you know what? Let's go back here because I, I, I need to say the numbers. I, I usually write mm. down the numbers before them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so would you mind noodling on something? And I'll read the song titles. Song number one, St. Patrick Battalion. Song number two, Letter to My Landlord. Song number three, Failed State. Song number four, East Kilbride. Song number five, My Great Grandparents. Song number six, Today in Yemen. Song number seven, John McCain. 
And song number eight, Ice. And those will be the oracle fodder for our musical divinations here. And uh, like I said, we're going to have some questions from some great guests who are going to be joining us either in the basement or on the phone from points unknown. And the last question of the show comes from our musician. And David has provided me with his question. Where is it? I can't see it. It's, a, it's, it's sealed. And now for all you paper fetishists who tune into the show just for this moment... Oh, okay. little sensual paper Excellent. moving there. And so that'll be the last question of the show. And then here we are to the time of the first question of the show. And I am on fire. Not literally, because that would... So I need someone to put me out. But I have... I have... Whew, boy, I got a lot going on. I, uh... Where do I start? Well... I'm actually I'm very glad to have you in the in this in the studio here with us, David, because you usually I'm the most uh, sort of politically obsessed person in the show, so I feel like I have to just keep it in the realm of what everyone else can relate to. But in the in the realm of activism, I would say I like I I humbly say that you outrank me. <laughs> You just, I, you are, con, you have devoted your life uh, to, and you I mean, I put a lot of activism into my music and I try and put a lot of activism, activism into my art, but you are, you've just been constant, you've been there on the front lines in a lot of ways as an artist for the last 20 years. And I've watched it and I've, uh, I've cheered you on from behind my computer screen. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, but so it's exciting to have someone here who I feel like I can take the gloves off and we can sort of have a more, uh, a deeper conversation about some things that might be too difficult for some other, some other people to even step into. Yeah, if you no. get obsessed with anything depressing, then it's okay. We're in good company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to start with something, with an area where I think we're probably in a lot of, a, we probably have a lot of agreement in, uh, we probably have a lot of agreement everywhere, but in this case, I think we probably both were critical of Hillary Clinton as a as a candidate for president. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, reasonably so on policy grounds. And I don't know if you encountered this, but I met some people who found that any criticism of Hillary Clinton felt like sexism. I had a mm, lot of people who would, yeah, and so th and then at the same time, there were definitely. Like, I would post something that was critical about Hillary Clinton, and then someone come in and talk about how she looks or how she sounds or how she dresses. Yeah. And it would be like, oh, wait a second. I didn't, I now I have to be, you know, challenging Hillary Clinton on the policy grounds while challenging the guy standing next to me shouting sexist things yeah. at her and sort of defending, trying not to defend myself. Like, you don't want to ever be the person to, trying to prove that you're not a sexist, but there is a way that. The impulse is there. It's like, well, no, no, I'm just trying to criticize her policy. We definitely need a woman president, but mm -hmm. please not Hillary Clinton. Um, and whatever, you know, there's a lot of strategic reasons to vote for her. By the time we got to the presidential election, I live in a state where it was unnecessary to. Washington went heartily for her, so my vote 
what it was it was whatever it was we don't want to i'm not that that's mm -hmm. not the point of this mm -hmm. but the point of it is to recognize that as someone who was critical of hillary clinton i had to respect that there were some people who were just so who wanted a, a woman president so badly and had been so f messed over by men forever that any attack of her is going to feel like sexism and then uh and then there are also genuine sexist attacks against her which to me i'm not worried about sexist attacks against hillary clinton but i'm worried that by that it makes things worse for the women in my neighborhood in my community who hear who hear those go on and me not contradict them like you yeah, could say the worst thing about hillary clinton it doesn't hurt her one bit but if you're insulting her on the basis of her gender then it's then it's an insult to everybody it's an that's insult not, that's not okay exactly so i don't know about you but i found like i was constantly trying to straddle this very fine line of like i'm gonna hit you hard on policy i'm gonna accept that some people are always gonna see me as sexist because of that and i'm also not gonna tolerate any sexism on my page and even a little bit especially since that's the situation we're in like yeah yeah i definitely <laughs> uh, blocked more people during the couple of months preceding oh. the election than ever yeah it was brutal it was brutal so now I'm going to switch to an area where it might be a little bit more complex between us. Uh, I know that, like myself, you are also a, uh, a, a critic of the policies, the, the policies of the state of Israel in terms of how it treats its ethnic minorities and how it's, you know, it's just it's a gangster like our own. It's a military racist military gangster state. Mm -hmm. um, and. I'm what's ha well, the reason this is up for me right now is that this week I'm in two like I'm on two threads being like <laughs> in some really intense interactions with some people because I pointed out that there was I pointed out areas of anti-Semitism that were in conversation and someone had posted a uh, an article that said that uh, that criticism of, of Israel isn't necessarily anti-Semitic. And I totally agree. I just in the same way that criticism of Hillary Clinton isn't necessarily sexist. Yeah. And there are going to be some people who, no matter what you say about anything about Israel, they're going to say it's anti-Semitic. And that's part. Of, and there's sort of a similar reason. It's like, oh, you can get why some people would want to have a safe place after millennia of being attacked. And at the same time, there's some irrationality to those. And then at the same time, there are genuine anti-Semitic things that are going on in the world and in language and so there was this so it was almost hilarious i've been through this so many times and i'm getting to a question here but uh so this person posted this thing and, uh, that i agreed with and then the first thing someone posted was like yeah and uh by the way arabs are submit are semites too and i was like well this okay that's technically true but it's a weird semantic argument that basically there's a word for race for racism against islamic people it's islamophobia or uh anti-arab racism there's a lot of it in the world and it needs to be called out but if you muddy the waters and say that anti-semitism isn't the word for specific attacks against jews when it's not a word that we made up that jews i'm jewish uh made up for ourselves it was given to us by people who were trying to exterminate us uh, and there is no other word 
then well, you hatred of Jews is I mean sometimes you see you see people in the media often uh, finding other words other than anti-Semitism to describe it because of these complex uh, logistical well, reasons you know but but it's true it is definitely the most mainstream term still today anti-Semitism as troubling as the term is because it, it is not specific just right. like Holland the Netherlands is it, it, like Holland is only a province like three provinces of the Netherlands and it, you know when people refer to Holland they're leaving out the rest of the provinces but nobody knows or cares about that really and and it's like you know other than in the Netherlands but like right. you know come on I mean this is this is just language we're just talking about words exactly know? which is a powerful thing but yeah so my, my point was just and then I, I commented on this to say well see here's an example yes Criticism of Israel is not necessarily anti-Semitic, but then if it's then if people start making comments that around it that basically rob Jews of the language to then address not attacks against Israel but attacks against me or someone I know in my neighborhood, then in the same way that you have you don't have a lot of power to affect the state of Israel, but you have a lot of power to affect your neighborhood, and if you aren't, if we aren't conscious in our language, just like I felt like I had to be with Hillary Clinton and the women who would take attacks against her as a personal attack against them, then maybe you should take it seriously. Like, definitely oppose Israel all day long. I have no problem with that. But then when you say that, okay, and by the way, now you have to change your language and now, and here, here's the point of it, that by pointing that out, it ended up, and I knew it was going to happen and I've been through it enough, that it ended up becoming about me and about people being mad at me and reactionary and targeting me and saying, you're, you know, saying I'm an asshole and we're none of us are anti-Semites. And I said, I never said anyone's an anti-Semite. I said that there's anti-Semitism in this and I'm the Jew who's pointing it out. And now you're attacking me. So there's, you know, and one question I might ask, and I think I've asked this before, is like, how softly and nicely do I have to raise that issue in order for it to be accepted? as just like you would accept any comp like it's a complex conversation of intersectionality like okay well if someone calls me out of my sexism the first thing i do want i don't want to do is say uh-uh you're a <laughs> you know that's the sexist response and we have that nuanced understanding i feel like of these other oppression patterns but this one every time i bring it up it leads to a fight and i'm in two of these threads two of these fights going on online where people are attacking me personally because I point out this dynamic and this is in this progressive liberal town where I'm and I'm not at all defending war crimes or anything like that but I'm just saying hey how about some basic respect to human beings so I have a doozy of a question mm -hmm. so the the doozy of a question here is this so anti-Semitism exists, and I am Jewish, and I see it. And I don't have kids. I don't have a job where anyone's going to fire me. I, my reputation in my town of Olympia is already pretty trashed because of so many of these conversations. I feel like I have the luxury to have this conversation, whereas other people might lose their jobs. It might reflect on their family. It might get more difficult. But I'm alone, and so... I feel like if anyone's going to take this on, it's me. But my question for the Pop Oracle is, which is going to happen first? Am I going to generate the conversation, at least in this town of Olympia, 
where we can engage fully with gusto, engage the conversation about anti-Semitism the same way we do about racism, sexism, homophobia, classism, which I think we do really well in this town. Or am I going to lose my fucking mind? Literally, am I going to go crazy <clears throat> before this conversation is ever going to happen in my lifetime? And that's, that's my question for the Pop Oracle. And so now, to engage the Pop Oracle, I am going to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na, 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 we love Wonderful sound effect. Song number three. <laughs> Failed state. <clears throat> oh, gosh. Now yes. you got to play the song. And now I play the song. Yeah. And then we can talk about it. Thanks for being that's such a, a good, good listener. That's a good David. explanation. A good listener. Uh, I could be a better listener if I listen to your show more often. <laughs> you and most of humanity. <laughs> jobs and living in a tent when a house costs a million bucks and you can't pay the rent when politicians say they'll help but it keeps getting worse each time the landlord lobby pulls the strings of the purse when the human right to housing isn't even part of the debate you know you're living in a failed state When millions of citizens are spending half their lives Locked up in a prison for trying to survive When laws must be broken just to have a place to stay When the prisons pay the senators to look the other way If you have to be a criminal to put food upon your plate You know you're living in a failed state When you're facing climate breakdown, when the trees are all on fire, when half the country's underwater, when a climate change denier runs the nation, and the opposition party votes for oil rigs and pipelines, this is not so much a country as it is a corporation. Buckling under its weight, you know you're living in a failed state. When your nation is an empire facing daily blowback And the only thing your leaders can think to do is attack Bipartisan consensus that we need to spend 700 billion before the years end On a military budget to make America great You know you're living in a failed state Every day, some psycho with a gun has to open fire on a crowd before it's done. When a music festival becomes a free fire zone, and all they can say is, it's okay now, he was acting alone. Buy some armor, pray to God, and hide behind a gate, you know you're living in a failed state. You know you're living in a failed state. You know you're living in a failed state. Oh, yeah. Great, 
Great song. New song. Uh, Newish. Year, year old. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, you've been making music for decades now. So yeah. This yeah. year is new. Yeah. 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 This, <laughs> that's a hot. Oh, my God. What a great song. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to sing along so bad. Oh, Ooh. good. Or so, I, so it doesn't good. really have a chorus, so that makes it difficult. But. Oh, no, but I have the lyrics in front of me. I can oh, sing and yeah, yeah. hit that <laughs> harmony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Well, as if the song, I don't, does the song require any description or <laughs> I think explanation? It's, it's fairly self-explanatory. Was there a particular inciting incident? Oh, the election? It was, yeah, it was. Uh, no, it was. After I, I mean, there's so many different possible things it could be, but basically there are so many. Uh, I had written so many songs about so many massacres, and I'd written so many songs about so many uh, disasters, some kind of combination of, you know, human caused and so-called natural disasters. And uh, I think there was, I think it was an uh, yet another massacre had happened. Last year, and then I just was like, "Well, we're this is this is obviously we're just living in a." Was this after state. the Vegas? Is, the Vegas. It might shooting? have been after Vegas that I wrote the song. I think actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, because that's that's the line in the last. Yeah, year. it was after Vegas, and then I, I was just yeah, because I mean, any any kind of any government that has uh, the same thing happening over and over again, and they're unable to do anything about it uh, through passing laws, when other countries all over the world have managed to deal with these same problems through passing laws but we can't do it you know that's an indication of a failed state and there's a lot of other failed states in the world that you know by that definition of failed state but the united states is the most problematic of them all for sure yeah uh well no doubt about it um I mean, we're run by this is a plutocracy, yeah. and it's and it's run by by uh, what they call special interests, you know. Right. But usually on the news, if they call it special interests, it's, they're not talking about the people that run this country. But you know, there's this country yeah. is basically run by a handful of you know, not a handful, but a very very tiny percentage of extremely wealthy people who buy all the politicians. Yeah, and they were all there at George H. W. Bush's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah basically so okay uh we're on the same page with that uh i don't want uh, sometimes i'm always afraid when people feel like they're in agreement that they want to shut up about it but i was like i'm like yeah i just want to like let you keep doing this because usually i'm the one who has to say that so thank yeah. you we need to sing for the choir the choir yeah. needs the choir needs music and i'm still sort of blown away by that song it is that is if if there were a place for activist hit songs that's just driving like i was dancing from the <laughs> second you started playing it i recorded it with a, a friend of mine playing stomp box and that definitely uh, worked very well oh yeah i yeah. bet i bet i bet so okay so to my question will i uh will i lose my mind uh before i'm able to have the conversation uh, yes with effectively with my community Yes, really? you will lose your mind first because, um, well, it depends on. Uh, <laughs> Thank it, you. It depends on where you're trying to have this conversation. But if you're trying to have this conversation online, you will lose your mind. This is not a conversation. No conversation is is really worth having online because what what it means to have conversations online. What we're really talking about when we, if we want to be, you know, really, uh, you know, let's be frank about this. We're talking about Facebook. And their algorithms have uh, destroyed uh, civilization, really. And we just, uh, 
Uh, I mean, civilization was not doing well before Facebook, but now uh, it's impossible to have a reasonable uh, conversation. They make they make it impossible. They only promote the arguments, you know. So no, uh, if you're trying to have a reasonable conversation, whether it's with people here or anywhere else on Facebook, forget it. You'll lose your mind. Well, the thing is that my experience, the conversations that happen in person don't go any better. It, the, 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 yeah. Around this issue, it seems to me it feels like the one thing that you really that you just can't talk about that is re, like that is very I see it happen all the time I see people get triggered someone points out the racism of something and then someone says I'm not a racist and you're like no that's okay you don't have to be racist this thing over here that we're talking about is a racist system it doesn't have anything to do with you or your intent and then and and then some people are able to hear that and some people aren't. But I see, you know, it's sort of like we're at that level. Yeah. But when you say anti-Semitism, people are just lose their, lose their, like, from my standpoint, the people lose their sense of that. Like, there's no one in the room who can say, no, he's not calling you an anti-Semite. He's saying that there's anti-Semitism in this situation and the language and the in the dynamic here and he feels it because it's because he's sensitive to it just the, as if there was a if there was only one woman in the room and she was like saying hey this feels sexist if there's usually someone in the room now who can say hey she's not saying you're a sexist she's saying when we listen when we pay attention listen to the one person in the room who's sensitive to this dynamic maybe it isn't just boys will be boys maybe there's something here that we should address um goys will be goys um, hashtag. I mean, I guess it probably depends on what the discussion is about in the first place. That well, you're having. if the discussion is about whether or not anti-Semitism exists, then that's well, it's it's it exists whether it exists here in this like not here between you and me in this conversation. But I mean, I, it, I think when it becomes, uh, <clears throat> I mean, there's so many different triggers and so many you know so many different points yeah. where this conversation can become. A very difficult one for people, yeah. but um, I think one of the th one of the places where that where it becomes difficult is is if, if when people make any kind of like uh, what is what is it called like the um, you know if people are making comparisons uh, like to to comparing anti-Semitism to other forms of prejudice that exist in our society, you know, in terms of the degree and the damage done and and the uh, suffering and you know so I think there's there's people I, I, I think we have oh, there's also there's also such a thing as anti-Catholic bias but I would compare uh, and it's and it's very real and in, in some parts of the world well, it's far more real there, but it, I mean, it we, exists we don't have people don't there aren't six million Catholics weren't uh, weren't murdered recently you know like there's a there's a difference between the the uh, the impact of anti-Catholic prejudice and the impact of anti-Jewish prejudice. It's just people get, it's life or death. There's a, there are people shooting up synagogues. It's a, it is a, it is an existential threat. I don't think most Catholics have an experience of like, yeah, my uncles got killed in the Catholic Holocaust, you know, and that's why I don't know them. Well, I think, um, I think that's a very Jewish perspective, and I well, think um, yeah. you know I, I'm also half Jewish, but only half, and in, in terms of my background, and I spend a lot of time traveling outside of this country. So, I mean, the the perspective you're presenting is very American and very Jewish, and and that's fine. You're an American Jew, 
But uh, no, Catholicism, the oppression of Catholics in the United States and around the world is a very real thing. This country was, a, and the, the oppression of Jews, but also the oppression of Quakers. I mean, the, first of all, the Nazi Holocaust happened in Europe. Six million Jews were not killed in North America. Other people were killed in North America. The slavery yeah, is very true. real. No, I, the history of slavery. Absolutely. That's, you know, anti-African prejudice yeah. is, is what this, you know, anti-native prejudice is. Genocide. No one's no one's saying, uh, but yeah, in terms of equivalencies. But, but I mean, the genocide of Jews was in was in Europe, and it definitely affected the whole world in, in massive ways. But the genocide, the Nazi genocide, was also against millions and millions of other people well, as well. You know, absolutely. You like it was, the, but, the left. but they <laughs> Russians, but but they but the their they advertised their Jew hatred. Oh they, yeah. And it was a big part. And, but their Bolshevik hatred was, I mean, oh, yeah. no, fascism no. was no. founded on, on hatred ha- of Bolsheviks and hatred of Jews. And right. they were tended, they tended to be lumped together because right. they were often, you know, yeah. from the same group. That's my family. We're Bolshevik yeah. Jews. Yeah. yeah, me too. So, uh, but I guess, so this would be, an, so let me, let, let's play it out. A little example. So, I am talking about anti-Semitism. I'm not saying I would like to have the anti-Semitism conversation. Now, I'm not saying that there's anti-Semitism here, or I'm not saying that you're anti-Semitic, obviously. But a dynamic of anti-Semitism is that when a Jew brings up anti-Semitism, there'll be a chorus of people saying, yeah, but compared to some, 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 why don't you just be quiet and wait? And it's sort of like, okay, but how long? Because if, because this year, this month, I think, there was a synagogue that was shot up. So anti-Semitism is, has some teeth. It is, it, I agree that in America, the, the situation of the, the way the, the Americans have treated the Native Americans, the people who lived here, for the first peoples of this country, and the way it's treated African Americans or the people who were brought over as slaves and have been treated ter- terribly, no doubt about it. Yeah. I'm but, not, there's no, there is no, compi- that's what I mean, like the competition. No, sure. But if the question was, and not, I posed the question, yeah. I, I was answering my own question, but when I posed the question, if the question about when it becomes a sensitive trigger issue, when it, when it can become that is when people are making equivalencies, you know, yeah. and that's, but I, and which is, I you know, whether or not that's a useful thing to do. I'm not. I'm not saying this. Yeah. Is, this is or isn't a useful thing to do. There's lots of different. You know, it depends on where you're coming from and what the conversation is about. You know, but this is one of the things <clears throat> that tends to be the triggers. I mean, in terms of, you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, because this is a very also. Oh, it's so it's such a fraught thing. I mean, it's so complicated historically yeah. and currently. You know, but when we're talking about anti-Semitism. You're talking about prejudice against a, a group of people that is not an if an economically marginalized group, unlike prejudice against uh, you know various other groups within society who are economically marginalized, like women, African Americans. Well, well, wait a second. You, you just you just made the case. Ninety percent of the United States is economically is we're every, most of us are on the downslope. There's plenty of poor Jews. Oh yeah, there's absolutely. plenty and plenty of working class poor. Jews mixed in with the rest of everyone. Yep. So I guess, and I, this is my, this is just, you know, I, I actually, I really appreciate that. Like we're actually having this conversation um, and we do need to, we need to, we have, we have our guests coming. So unfortunately we're not going to be able to solve this issue between the two of us. I was hoping on we could a get radio it all vo- done this yeah, afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. But to me, the, okay. So this is, this is my feeling about it is, you know, when you need to deal with racism, 
when you're dealing with a person who has who's experienced racism. Like if like we all need to deal with it always. But if we're doing a situation, if we're in a room here and there's all of us are white and one of us isn't, then that person is de, de facto going to be the expert on the level of racism in the room because they're going to feel it. And w if you're not sensitive to that, if you're like, well, no, don't bring up racism right now because we're dealing with sexism. That's not that's not to me. That's just not polite or compassionate or even very uh, wise in terms of learning. Like if I'm around someone who is a traveling folk singer and I'm a, and there's a bunch of pop singers in the room and the folk singers and they're all like, oh, man, it's so hard. My bus, the you know, the the seats don't work. And you're like, well, you know, there's a whole other economic thing going on that I experience that none of you experience. Let me tell you what it's like to be on the road as David Rovix. And if they listen, they're going to learn something. If they don't listen, then they're a bunch of snobs in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the way we all I this is how I approach intersectionality. Who's in the room and what are the perspectives that we should all be aware of and who if who, if anyone is feeling uncomfortable here, and if they are, let's make the time to make it, make it more comfortable. Like, don't make, certainly I don't want to ever be the person who says, who comes down on that person and then other people are like, oh, I don't want to bring up anything. You know what I mean? So that's what- I mean, I tend to avoid meetings generally <laughs> altogether and discussions on Facebook as well. So, and I, I only just very recently even heard of the word intersectionality. Oh, I know. love it actually. I yeah, some people are really mad about it. It's a nice it, concept, but. I think. I mean, it's a, it's a, it gets, I think it's, um, it's a, it's probably very fraught uh, because, you know, basically it's become the main um, word uh, for progressives who don't want to talk about class. You know, they talk about anything other than class, so they can talk about everything else, and and that can all fall into the class category of fit intersectionality. In? I'm not saying it doesn't fit in. It's just I'm just saying the people yeah. who tend to use the word intersectionality are are liberals who want don't want to talk about the fact that gentrification is wiping out all the people they supposedly care about in their city. But let's not talk about the class war that's causing the gentrification. Let's talk about discrimination against trans people using the bathroom in city hall which is a very real issue trans people should be able to use bathrooms anywhere they want to uh however um you know if you if you're running a political party in in a country of 300 million people on the basis of uh don't discriminate against people within this within the context of this collapsing society in this collapsing economy in this collapsing system where, where there's massacres happening and wars happening and uh, empire going nuts i mean where the world literally is just falling apart climate change you know i mean whether they allow people on tv who look like me or not or or think like me or not or uh, you know whether they allow people of color or women or whatever. I mean, we're talking about TV. I'm just taking this in as, a, as an example. But like, yeah. who cares what Warner Brothers does? They shouldn't exist. These corporations shouldn't exist. They're ruining our civilization. They're ruining the world. Who gave them the right to exist? I didn't. Yeah. I'd take it away if I could. You know, but it's uh, they, these 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 corporations have a lot to answer for. They don't have any right to exist. They they are. They are destructive influences, uh, and and they have way too much power, and they've bought our society. And now we are at a point where we're arguing about whether or not we're being represented in their world. I don't want to be represented in their world. I don't care about <clears throat> that uh, stuff. And maybe that's just a a really privileged white male perspective. I have no idea whether I'm privileged. It depends on your definition of privilege, but. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm very privileged by most definitions of the term, for sure. But um, 
not compared to most of the people I grew up with, but that's all relative, you know. But uh, you know, this is we're, we're living in a collapsing society, and and if and if that's not the the main thing that we're talking about, then then whatever we're talking about is boring, in my in my view. I mean, that's that's my uh, that's that's why I'm a total party killer. I mean, they never would want to have me at a party because as soon as people are having fun, I'm like, what? I don't. I don't understand what's happening here. Like, we're in a group and we're not talking about the collapsing society. I feel like Nero playing the fiddle. I have to leave. I just can't deal with it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a fun person. And now I. I don't even eat the way normal people eat. So they, I can't even. They can't even like feed me at a party either. So I'm conversation killer and I can't eat. So you know, it's just. Um, don't don't let me leave the protests. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around for we're going to be delving into synchronicity and music for seven more musical divinations with this wonderful, passionate, intelligent curmudgeon. Um, I I'll tell you, David. I uh, I I don't, I'm pretty much in the same boat. The only, the the most I hang out with people is doing the show. So <laughs> let's just enjoy it. Absolutely, me too. If I'm on tour playing shows, that's it. You know, that's, that's my social life at home. It's just babies. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andros Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.